Hey, and welcome to The Big Bear, episode 11. And uh, if you're someone who's into the drama of free agency, I feel like you got what you asked for or got what you wanted with this free agency. Uh, lots to say about it. We'll talk about uh, a whole bunch of the deals. You know, the one or, the ones that are like one or two Kevin Bacons away from our Bruins. And there were more than plenty. Holy shit. I've got a bunch to say about Bergie. I'm not going to touch on, you know, some of the other deals like bunting to Carolina uh, because there's some accidental comedy out there that's just funny. Uh, some bits to say about Tic Tacs. Going to get into plenty about Sweeney in general, the offseason in general, and on and on. I'm Jay Pike. The Baked Bear is presented in partnership with Black and Gold Productions, LLC. You can find me on Twitter at my underscore Bruins and the pod at the Baked Bear pod. Love to hear what you're feeling and thinking so we can talk it out. Uh, you can email me as well, bakedbearpod at gmail.com. And don't forget, please, if you would, to rate and review and follow and subscribe on whichever platform you do your podding. I have to open my quick hits with something actually not Bruins related because Bunting going to Carolina was just poetry. Maybe it's poetic justice. Maybe I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to be beautiful. You've got the biggest whiner on the ice in the NHL today joining forces and being coached by the biggest whiner behind the bench in the NHL today. It has the potential to be some of the most fun accidental operatic fucking bullshit that you can possibly see that the NHL could ever give out it'll be truly something to watch bunting try and take a dive and then lose his absolute batshit mind when he doesn't get the call and then he goes to the bench screaming and crying and of course Rod Brendamore is already screaming and crying there. And he just continues the screaming and crying without bothering to, you know, stop bunting from screaming and crying. And five plays later, they're both still screaming and crying. And then when Brendamore goes to bunting, you know, to calm him down and say, look, it's all right. Bunting's just going to ignore him. You know, no respect for his coaches. So uh, it's just, it's got so much potential to be so much fun. So fingers crossed. It's a, it's a real fucking shit show. Just fingers crossed. Um, when the Bertuzzi news was leaked and kind of got onto Twitter and other social media platforms, the meltdowns were incredible from Bruins fans. Like, I really wasn't expecting that level, that just intense, powerful, just breakdown emotionally that we saw. I really wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, I wanted the guy. I was attached to the guy. But I was able to understand the reality of the situation. And, you know, obviously he wants that money and he wants that term and he wants it right now. When he couldn't get the term, he went for the money. Like, we couldn't have afforded Bertuzzi and still, you know, fielded a whole team. So the news was upsetting because it's a guy I like going to Toronto. But it wasn't a meltdown moment. Getting that attached to a guy that quickly seems mildly unhealthy but it happens so that's fine so as much as i understood um you know how everyone was reacting um i appreciated the dark humor very much behind a lot of it but it also reminded me of you know why i do this pod and so uh it's just something i had to talk about because it was wow really really something to uh watch people be that attached and react like that to a guy who uh, played for us for two months. Uh, really something. But nothing compared to uh, what I've been seeing on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I am so far behind the whatever on this. I get that. Like, I'm in season 10 right now, and every episode just kills me. The episode where they play their own drinking game, I was dead during the whole thing. I think I had to watch it three times to actually get through it because I was missing chunks from just laughing too hard. It was, it's just madness. Um, if you watch it or not, um, if you don't and the absurd, uh, is your thing, I think, uh, check it out. I don't know what took me 
as long as it did but uh here i am so i'm gonna push it i'm not gonna be ashamed i'm gonna you know be happy it's funny as hell i am glad that swayman and olmark will be back next year but not for the hug like it's because we are going to have two incredible goaltenders in goal on every night we're going to have a starter goaltender we're going to have a number one goalie in net it doesn't matter which of them is in goal that's something that could kind of come in handy for a team that's obviously a little less talented up front this year. Anyone who can complain about that kind of goaltending when you're worried about the on-ice product, you're not thinking the whole thing through. We lost Hall's production? Yes. Did we lose Swayman? Did we lose Ulmark? No. And we have to remember that the goalies on the super team that was the 22-23 Bruins, they were incredible. Their numbers back that up, and if you actually watched each of them play for most of or large portions of the season, you saw two goalies who often kept the Bruins in games that they came out and started slowly. Omark would have to make... Uh, You'd have the Bruins down in shots 13-4. to Olmark would have made a couple 10-bell saves or at least a couple 8-bell saves. That's how the bell thing works, right? Maybe not, but anyway, you understand. Um, and you're, it's just like, whoa. And then they start to take over, right? The Bruins would find their mojo. They'd find the rhythm. Next thing you know, we're up 3-1 to and bada-bing, bada-boom, right? We did that 65 times. So that makes me happy to have those two goaltenders back because even though... I look at this year as like a bridge year, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, I do want a good on-ice product because the NHL is nuts. We were living proof of it. We're going to be an example of it for the next 50 years. So if you can get a team with the talent that we do have, by the way, anyone trying to pretend that you know we're going to end up with a bottom or a top 10 pick next year like come on this team is too good for that which means it's an anything can happen team and having two incredible goaltenders can be one of the most helpful things on an anything can happen team so I know it seems like there's a whole whack of fans who would you know throw Allmark off the Titanic to have saved Bertuzzi but uh I don't know I think Thinking about this year and, again, the saving of the cap room and all that for uh, next year, I think it was the way to go. I think it's the balance. You've got great goaltending next year. Let's uh, all complain about that. Like, no, let's not do that. I'm excited to see the new Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. Uh, my wife and I, we've watched or rewatched uh, the other four and... I kind of had some, I guess my rankings were somewhat confirmed, right? Like, like Raiders is number one. I don't think I'll ever be able to get away from that. They're, you know, it's, it's a perfect movie. It's too much fun and it kicks off this awesome franchise. I can't, uh, I can't say a bad thing about it. So that's my number one. Number two for me is Last Crusade. It's just so much fun. I know it's like a carbon copy of Raiders, but it's a lot of fun. Connery and Ford together are incredible, even though it takes a long time for Connery to show up. Um, some of the CGI, hmm, but uh, that stuff happens. Anyway, it's uh, that's a wicked movie. And then, uh, yeah, I'm putting Crystal Skull above Temple of Doom, and I've got some friends who are offended by that, but uh, Temple of Doom is just so off for like three quarters of the movie, at least two-thirds. The whole... Like, it opens strong, I think it ends strong, but every single thing in the middle is, oh, like, just, there's, the tone is insane. The tone is, it's two completely different movies. It doesn't work for me in, like, the gags and the, the just the constant gross-out stuff. It was, like, uh, okay, eating bugs, okay, you know, I don't know, it didn't, uh didn't do a lot for me so that's uh sitting at the bottom it's also the one i hadn't rewatched it in probably 20 years yeah like i think it's gotta be at least 20 years since i've watched that movie it just it it does not and i feel no urge to watch it again anytime soon so i'm curious where dial of destiny is gonna come in with that so uh if you've seen it uh find me on twitter at 
my underscore Bruins. Let me know what you thought. Just saw the Domi to Toronto signing. And I think you take that, you add in the Burt signing, you add in the, uh, uh, who's the defenseman that they got? Kling, Klingberg, the internet's down for me, by the way. So I'm doing this without the internet. So I can't, uh, I can't pretend that I like know every fact automatically that I never have to look something up. Anyway, they, they got another like a decent defenseman and I feel like Toronto smells blood in the water right now in the Atlantic. I think they think they, they look at the Bruins, they look at Tampa and they say, these are two kind of open, exposed and vulnerable teams right now. I'm not sure they'd be wrong if that's what they're thinking. I mean, we all can say with, you know, pretty good certainty that the Bruins are not going to be nearly as good this year as last year. Doesn't mean they're going to be bad. Doesn't mean they can't be great. Just means they're definitely not going to be as good as last year. We have to wait and see. Tampa seems to be going through some changes as well. I got to think they aren't expected to be quite as good next year as they were, you know, for the last few. So Toronto, even though Florida's coming up, I understand that, but Toronto has to be like, okay, we've still got this core four that we're letting, you know, twats like bunting go. They're bringing in guys who, you know, have a bit of something to them. I'm not sure, like, Bertuzzi's going to score a ton of points there. Again, we're going to talk more about all that um, shortly. But some of the blood in the water that the Leafs are smelling is their own blood as well. It's the the stinky part of the blood. It's the, you know, the blood that's kind of gloopy and just doesn't look right, right? It's sinking a little because it's got just too much iron. And But the Bruins' blood is the nice blood. And this is starting to feel very weird and strangely racist. So I'm just going to jump into Matthews, I believe Nylander, and I'm not sure Marner... And Tavares, if they are next year or not. But Matthews alone, that's a huge deal. He's unrestricted. Like, these guys are headed to unrestricted free agency. Not restricted free agency. Unrestricted free agency. Am I getting the drama across? I really hope I am. Because that's a big part of what Toronto might be thinking right now. They're like, wow, with this cap going up, Matthews is about to explode the market, the market is going to be completely reset soon. Like, but they've still got these guys. They've got them at a price that for this year they can get away with. They bring in guys like Bertuzzi and Domi who have something they can bring. And maybe it doesn't work, but if it does, it's good for them, right? Like, instead of paying Ryan O'Reilly, he got like four, he got four million for four years, I believe. That doesn't seem right to me, right? Like, again, Toronto saying maybe no to that. I'm really wishing right now, like, Toronto had kept Dubas because it just, it feels like he's, it's doing that all-in thing. Now, of course, all I'll do is, you know, hope that if it does end up feeling that way, that they crash and burn. And uh, that'd be almost just fun as us being an underdog then broke through and got to the final. That would be a... Two very fun things. So, uh, you know, fuck the... Just fuck Toronto. I'm sure you're happy to hear that I fixed my mic issues and didn't screw that up. Uh, I'm drinking a Fresca while I'm recording today. I, I I love Fresca. I feel like a pretentious pop drinker when I'm buying it, right? It's like, I'm not a pop drinker. I'm a Fresca drinker. Put me on like the... On a like a Swedish ski hill or in the Alps or something, you know, with a bright puffy jacket and some slick back blonde hair and uh, make a good like 80s commercial, I think. Anyway, Fresca seems like a divided kind of thing to me. Uh, you know, the whole pineapple on pizza debate, we've had it enough. Maybe now we should discuss the status of Fresca. Like where does it really rank on the pop scale? Uh, for my American friends, pop means soda. I think if you're like Minnesota or East Coast, you guys say pop a little bit. But, and I'm sure all of you knew that anyway. If I was the first person to tell you that, that's amazing. You have to let me know because that's amazing. 
wanted to open talking it out about Luch. Got to talk Lucic, because uh, obviously when the news of Lucic uh, being signed and his return and uh, Twitter Bruins, Twitter just exploded. Mostly in very fun ways, right? There's a lot of positivity around it, and it's fun. I I get it. I have I've enjoyed. I've shared, reacted. You know, all kinds of stuff to uh, a variety of Luch posts. I mean, it makes me want to you know run through a brick wall too or you know shotgun a beer or something like that like i i get all i get hit with all of that too when i see all the uh the very fun luch stuff I, you know it feels like sweeney kind of gave the fans one kind of said you know what this is a hard off season but it's on an off season we need to have so here you go here's luch let's watch him just bang into some people if he can catch them oh he'll knock them down right so uh i don't know it's kind of sweeney doing that i was glad to see it was a one-year deal i talked about that last episode that you know i know i i'm not a fan of the signing personally because i i i've said that he does not make the team better the hockey team on the ice is not better with him on it but i understand wanting him in a certain role and saying hey let's have somebody here to enjoy for this season there are reasons to bring him here this one particular season i can accept that um but i did want it to be a one-year deal if it happened very happy that it is because again yeah i wouldn't want luch on the hook take eating up a part of our 24 25 million dollars in gap space next year. I wouldn't want him taking up one penny of it. But for this year, this one particular year, when it's an influx kind of year, sure. I'm sure he's not going to end up playing 82 games. The no movement clause, not ideal. I understand why he would want it. Uh, it means, of course, they can't waive him, right? If it turns out he can't outskate the Zamboni, then you can't cut them you can't wave them so it's not ideal but it's gonna be fun i think it's hard to say that it's not gonna be i mean he's gonna be so pumped up uh i hope you've heard or read some of the things uh that have come out right like again if you decide to say this luchic thing fuck it it's gonna be i'm gonna let it be fun I'm not going to let it, you know, I'm not going to throw a parade for him, but I'm going to let it be fun. If you want to be angry about it, you can be angry about it. But, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of stuff coming out about kind of how he ended up getting re-signed and and coming back. So I hope you got to uh, read some of it. But the Bruins put out something that I wanted to read. It said, and this is a... Lucic saying this it's a place that's close and dear to my heart having the opportunity to come back you can see the smile on my face right now it feels like I'm going home it's always felt like I've been a Bruin and I'm just so happy and thankful for the opportunity to be a Bruin again now this is Jay Pike once again I mean that's just that's beautiful right like you're like yeah I get it man that's the kind of quote that leads to like the rocky hugs right on the beach with the short shorts uh that that's that's what that says anyway uh luch went on he said i was born and raised in vancouver but i feel like i really became an adult in boston and really became a bostonian as an outsider a non-bostonian it has felt like that to me like that's the relationship as well right it it felt and it feels to me like and i think that's why luch maybe brings the strong feelings that he does because that's the relationship he got he became a bostonian when he was here he was one of you and you you adopted him and that's kind of how it always looked so i'd be curious if uh that is how it feels uh for bostonians uh and he finished up by saying i missed being a bruin more and more as the years went on i caught myself watching bruins games i caught myself cheering for the red sox cheering for the celtics cheering for the patriots yeah i mean that that's i'm gonna get up right now and dive through this window and then do a barrel roll out and 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 run into the woods that's how pumped up that makes me so i'm here for it let's have some fun with it um 
you know, the on-ice product isn't going to be any better because of them. But the centennial season is going to be fun with them, you know. And, you know, he, he adds uh, value to the Bruins from the uh, business side with that, I suppose. Uh, and he's a bit of a distraction for the transition kind of year we're about to have, I think, too. So there's a lot of reasons for him to be here. I don't think many of them or any of them are on the ice, but it's just uh, the kind of thing that happens when uh, sports are business. So uh, let's go Luch. Like, honestly, I, and by the way, I hope he absolutely just fucking wrecks the league. Like, I, I hope he has this incredible comeback season and, you know, it's it just we get some of that Luch. But I just don't think we have a lot of reason to think we're going to see it. And that's kind of, you know, I'd like to have that kind of optimism. So if you've got it, enjoy it and keep sharing it. Cause I'm, I'm very much enjoying all of the memes and the, uh, and the posts, like give me that Luch stuff. I enjoy it. And of course, Luch actually, and you may have heard the, uh, news too, the report or whatever that came out that, uh, said that Luch actually talked to Bergeron amongst others, but the Bergeron one. Um, was the big one. Like he called Bergeron and wanted to understand the locker room, wanted to understand the team right now uh, and see if he'd be a fit, if it's the kind of place that uh, he would do well in. And obviously he got the all clear from Bergeron. Kind of, I don't know. Is it, you know, a little tiny accidental hint? I don't know. It could be. It could not be. Where I'm someone who just has the feeling that Bergeron is coming back. It feels to me like this is a little confirmation for me. I also see Sweeney. Like we didn't sign any... You know, we didn't sign any true centers. Right? Like, we didn't sign Bergeron's replacement. Even kind of for a year. Again, that makes me think that he knows something. Or he he has a reason to feel like Bergeron is coming back. And... So, if he's feeling that way, I'm sure going to feel that way. You got to know Bergy wants to be there when Marchand plays his 100th game as a Bruin in 23-24. And I think it's on the 23 side of things. Um, not sure, but he plays it next year. Bergy's going to want to be on the ice for that. He's not going to want to be just there in a suit. I don't know. I mean, I know that could happen if he was injured or something. But uh, I think that's another reason. Like, like this Bruins team is his family marsh and like they've got to be just brothers at this point so you know with that history to consider plus as well you want to talk history to consider look at tampa after their historic season they had the big comeback season florida this year was a big comeback season right they were the number one team last year went into the playoffs got beat in the first round so these are recent president's trophies champions who failed hard and then bounced back, you know, to a win and, and a, obviously a non-win, but a run to the Stanley Cup Finals is still more fun than a first round exit. There's no getting around that. No matter how much some people would try to spin it. So bounce back years happen. You can't count on it, but they happen. Uh, but I do hope we're all getting prepared for his retirement because it very well could come. And so even if you only think it's like a 10% chance, start getting yourself ready for that. Start working that 10% a little bit and letting it out a little bit just to uh, help soften that blow. Because that's going to be a hard one even if you're prepared. So uh, let's uh, stay positive though for this year. I still think Bergie's coming back. Actually, while we're talking about being positive um what i'm positive about what sweeney has done in this off season it, like the general okay this is what happened these are the reasons we had to do this so here we are right he dealt hall he didn't have to retain any of the six million and that gave him the cap space to fill in the rest of the roster with short-term shorter aavs in most cases on, well, on the roster, right? Like, he was able to fill out the roster now. I mean, I guess we had to know that he wasn't going to send Monty and Mac and Pasta into Lindholm. Like, it, he wasn't going to send those guys into the season playing alongside a bunch of high schoolers. 
guys who maybe could be ready, right? But what if they're not? Like, he, they weren't going to be able to do that. So they got some, okay, decent vets at prices and terms that I like. And it doesn't worry me about Lauco. I know I spoke uh, last episode about how excited I am to see a little more of Lauco next year. And I'm not, this doesn't make me worried. I, I still think he's going to uh, get that playing time. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm confident in that. But I've never been a Van Riemsdyk guy. There's just, this not a name that, you know, excites me. Uh, doesn't, you know, uh, but JVR is going to do for a year. That's fine. Right? He shoots a lot. He's good with possession. And he likes to shoot. All right, fine. That's fine. For one year? For like a million dollars? Gimme. That's fine. Who knows? You, if he gets paired with the right guy, maybe he ends up on the third instead of the second. You don't know what he could do with Coil. Coil, that possession, they might work well. Maybe. Maybe not. But that's fine for a year. He's going to be able to play NHL hockey. And I guess that is kind of important, you know, in the matter. Uh, Geeky, I mean, that's an automatic lights out jersey name. Plus, he's good. Two-year little uh, prove-it deal for him. Super. Awesome. Here you go. You're part of this team. And Shattenkirk, uh, you know, we had Lindholm. Lindholm had to have some intel home that he was able to talk to Sweeney about, right? Like, they played together in Anaheim. It's an unremarkable player, but he's not going to make bonehead plays, right? He's not going to be just having our head spinning with what in the fuck was that? We're not going to have, like, shatty hockey or Kirky hockey. Neither of them really sound great, but we're not going to see them anyway, right? Like, that Cliffy hockey thing is gone now. And Shattenkirk might not have the upside at this point in his in his career as Clifton did, but he also, his floor is much higher than Clifton's, I think, just as a day-to-day average. He just, he's not going to make those really kind of bang-your-head-against-the-wall plays that Cliffy had uh some habits of doing from time to time but i am it's great for clifton he got like three i think he got over three million a year for three years uh buffalo like get your money young man like that's fantastic i'm i'm giddy for him that's fabulous but i definitely wouldn't have uh been happy if sweeney had signed him to that so uh do your thing but the point of all of this is that next year our Bruins are going to open the offseason with upwards of $25 million in cap space. That's the point of this season right now. That's the point of the signings. That's the point of the restraint. So when we talk about not giving Clifton $3 million, we talk about not giving Bertuzzi, who knows what he was asking for when they were talking, because they were talking longer terms. I've seen uh, tweets saying that he was asking for 7 by 7 how on earth are we going to give him $7 million? Maybe next year. But he I bet he ends up uh, ends up getting $8 million with the way the cap is going to jump. So that's money that Sweeney is able to use getting good hockey players. They're not exciting. They're not the guys. They're not the guys who's like, oh, this is the guy that's taking us over the top. No. But these are the guys who will be able to play along, play along at an NHL level with our superstars, by the way. Everyone out there freaking out. We still have David Pasternak. We still have Charlie McAvoy. We still have Jake DeBrusque. We still have Charlie Coyle. I wish I wasn't talking like this. But we have incredible talent on our team right now. So don't pretend like it's going to be a bottom five team next year. There's too much talent. And I talked about we have two number one goaltenders. So now take that core of incredible talent and give us $25 million in cap space next year. That's nuts. In one year, Sweeney will have the potential to surround an incredibly talented core that is full of leaders. So all that talent, all that leadership, and Sweeney's going to have $25 million to add pieces to it. We're going to become contenders like that, like that season right away it doesn't mean we're going to get every single big it doesn't mean we're going to get Bertuzzi first of all because again I think he's going to be looking at like 8 million 
I think playing in Toronto for him is going to make a difference. But I'm trying to save that. I keep like giving Bertuzzi spoilers all along the way. But I think he's going to get that much. The whole market correction is coming, right? The caps are going up. Big time names are unrestricted free agents next year. Austin Matthews, for one. These guys are going to get incredible contracts. They're going to seem just mad because this is going to be a whole market correction. And it's going to be great for the players. It's going to be good for the owners. It's going to be shite for the fans, unfortunately. Um, as the everyone else makes more money, we end pay more money. Uh, it's the life of a sports fan these days. Um, but we're about to see it. That's the point. So we want to be ready for that. And we're going to be in a really, really great position. The cap space was too valuable. He wasn't going to sign Bertuzzi. He wasn't going to sign Orlov or Hathaway. Right? And this was all around the league. These short deals, a lot of one and two term contracts, um, a lot of contracts for, you know, seems like uh, you know, three million and less. A lot of guys, a lot of prove it deals. We are going to have an incredibly motivated uh, group of NHLers next year. We really are. There are going to be an incredible amount of guys playing for the opportunity to just blow up money in hockey. Matthews is going to have the potential to demand $15 million a year. And I know in football or baseball, soccer, basketball, bowling, darts, you know, field hockey, and any of those, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but for hockey, for the NHL, that's a huge, insane number. So we're all going to need to be kind of ready for it because this is coming. Teams are getting ready for it, and Sweeney has made us one of those teams, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that was a mistake. I just can't do it. We'll, uh, We'll see what happens, but I think... I can see all the sides. That's where I'm coming down. I think just under try and understand we've got to think beyond next year. It's not easy, especially, you know, when we're on Twitter and we're constantly getting the information, but we got to think beyond next year. Um, there were some head-scratching deals, mind you, uh, that didn't make a lot of sense. Sorokin on Long Island, that one made sense to me. I get that. He got like eight years. Absolutely. He's probably already the best goalie in the league. Uh, He quite possibly could be for the next eight years. Even if he's not today, he could, you know, start next season being number one. Regardless, you've got a guy who I'm sure isn't going to fall behind uh, any worse than, you know, third or fifth best in the league uh, any year for the next eight years. So that would made sense going to, uh, to New York. That team's in Brooklyn. Only the NHL would have a team in Brooklyn. The city with the coolest rep, the coolest name, and not have there be a team in Brooklyn. Call it the Islanders. I don't care. Brooklyn. I mean, you say the word and it's got, it just oozes just the right attitude, the confidence, the swagger. Brooklyn has swagger. The NHL needs swagger. I'm just saying. But I do think Sweeney has landed this offseason so far, being what the offseason is. It's not a cup chase offseason. This isn't a season where he was going to try and load up and really go after a cup. He's still got the talent to go after a cup without going all in. This is the cap space saving year. Last year was the all-in year. This is the cap space saving year. So you're competitive. Who knows what happens? As we've said, hockey, the variance in hockey is insane, right? It's the reason we love the game, but it's also the thing we hate most about the game. Um, to put it this way, like, you got to think about the long game, okay? This is how a general manager has to think. It, Don Sweeney isn't just thinking until, like, you know, uh, May 1st or June. Don Sweeney's been planning next off season for, like, probably the past two off seasons. These guys have to think ahead. So, like, if hockey seasons were were volleys in a volleyball game, we just, like, we just did the set, right? Or their hands kind of, you make that little clamshell fisty looking thing, and you bump it up just a little bit. You're trying to put it in the right spot because the spike is coming. And the spike is next off season. 
I see absolutely no holes in that metaphor or analogy. So I'm just going to leave you with that. If hockey seasons were volleys in a volleyball game, this year is a set. The spike comes next year. And when you think about it that way too, it's just another reason to not take Bertuzzi, Hathaway, and Orlov leaving too personally. They were rentals. I think it's really funny the teams they ended up with. Not funny haha, but funny like, oh, I want to fucking jump off a bridge. That kind of funny. Uh, Bertuzzi, it's almost like worst case scenarios for me personally. And you may not, you know, abhor the same teams that I do, but I feel like Bertuzzi to Toronto was quite literally worst case scenario. I think we can say that. Even if you didn't necessarily want to sign Bertuzzi for seven years, seven million. Even if you're someone who would say, no, I wouldn't have paid him that. You still liked him. I have to, you still liked him. You still would have been like, yeah, hell yeah. If we can get him at a good price, bring him on. Let's go. So for him to go to Toronto is uh, definitely worst case scenario. But just for a year while he proves it and then he, you know, bolts and goes somewhere much better, I'm sure. Hathaway going to Philly. uh, That was a little kick in the dick as well. Like, I've always hated Philly. It goes back when I was a kid. I don't know. I felt like I didn't like their swagger that somehow they were the biggest, baddest team when, you know, the Bruins were supposed to be the biggest, baddest team. And as a kid, I couldn't understand that more than one team could be big and bad. You know, I guess I thought all the, you know, teams had to be archetypes of some kind. Like, you know, the old NES, the old Nintendo Entertainment System ice hockey game with uh, you could have the really skinny guy, you have the middle guy, and you could have the big fat guy. And maybe that put it in my head that, like, it did it with hockey teams. That, uh, you know, this is the rough and tumble team, and that was my Bruins. And so uh, I don't call them rough and tumble anymore, mind you. So I'm going to... I'm going to move on from that. But regardless of any of that, uh, never been able to get into Philly. Being a Washington football fan, too, had the Eagles right there in the division. It's, it's, it's really made me, uh, you know, have some beef with the city of Philadelphia and Philly fans in general. So a lot of my Flyers, you know, hate, I think, comes from there. It's kind of, I don't know if it's like vicarious trauma from being a... Washington football fan but anyway that one made me unhappy but of course as I said Bertuzzi to Toronto is the uh the real kick in the dick that's the one that hit the most there were a lot of people having nice uh or love to Carolina uh of course I hate Carolina it's hard not to I think as a Bruins fan now I think uh, a bit of a rivalry is stirred up there nicely like I get more angry playing Carolina than I do when we play Montreal right now and that's a weird feeling but that's just the state of the teams of course so I get a big kick out of you know Carolina having lost 12 straight conference championship games I also think it's fascinating that their coach you know had his team get swept and then wouldn't call it a sweep but I've uh, talked enough about Rod Brindamore for today I think uh but Fuck Carolina. Never liked him. So Orlov going there is like, all right. But he did. I mean, I don't know. I think him getting the two years, he he knows, right, there's the big jump next year and there's a jump the year after that in the cap space. So he's like, ooh, seven and a half is nice, but I'll just take that for two years and maybe he's going to try and get another, just one more three or four year deal for more than that um, since he couldn't like land like a six year deal right now so he's banking on himself as well and I get that um but I won't be cheering for Carolina so that's too bad I guess and same for Hathaway uh you play on a team that I hate I'm not really gonna be able to cheer for you in any way and I I would apologize for that but that's how I fandom so that's what I'm gonna do but of course uh I mentioned Bertuzzi to Toronto being the worst case scenario of all of these definitely the one that hit Twitter uh Bruins Twitter the hardest there were lots of Hathaway and Orlov people out there uh, drowning their sorrows with uh, those two leaving. But with Bertuzzi, it was uh, quite the meltdown. Really incredible. Uh, a lot of anger. A lot of anger. A lot of people mad at Sweeney. Um, right? But I kind of talked about that. I think it's it's thinking with your heart and not your head not looking at the facts of our off season of our cap situation 
of what happens to the cap and archive space next year. You've got to think past this coming season. People said that Sweeney didn't try hard enough to get Bert. How, how can you possibly know that? And why would you think that? Everything that came out said that they were trying. And you know Sweeney was going and was offering him as much as Sweeney possibly could in that moment. Bertuzzi's not McDavid, right? You didn't want Sweeney to start the market-altering, insane contracts this year. Trade away Allmark, get rid of Grizz and sign Bertuzzi for eight years at $7 million. Like, that wasn't going to happen. And you didn't want Sweeney to do that. You wanted Bertuzzi to be a Bruin after two months. You wanted him... Take a hometown discount, Sweeney, to get him at that five and a half, but maybe for two years. Never minding that he still needed to fill in the rest of the roster. Right? They talked. Sweeney tried. The talks break down. That's what happened. Sweeney had to move on. He fills in the roster with some perfectly serviceable NHL players. Now we don't have the money. So maybe Bertuzzi did come back to Boston and say, look, I can do five and a half for a year. And Sweeney's like, can't do it. I signed all these guys. I got like a million dollars left and I still haven't signed Freddie or Swayman. Lauko. Like Sweeney still has work to do and he still has work to do freeing up space. Where was Bertuzzi going? My friends, he couldn't fit. And it makes me sad. And it, I fully understand. I wanted him to. And I wanted him here for the, with the discount. And I wanted him to say, oh my god, Bergeron takes a million dollars. Look, I'm only going to take $1.5 million. And, you know, suddenly everyone who plays in Boston takes like 25% of their market value. It doesn't work that way. So, Bert gets a pretty good payday for one year. Gets a no-movement clause, right? He gets his prove-it year alongside a bunch of other guys who do, if they do nothing else, they score. They put up a shit ton of points. None of them really play all that much defense. I mean, I guess Marner does, and and Matthews has obviously improved. But, you know, Matthews isn't winning uh, a Bergeron trophy anytime soon. So Bertuzzi's going to put up huge stats next year. I think a point a game uh, is well within his reach. I won't be shocked if he puts up 90. And he's going to be out next year going after... $8 million a year. I'm almost sure of it because I do think he put himself in the best position. But what a lot of this tells me is that the money's a big fucking deal to him. And that's fine, by the way. I can't say if I played hockey, I wouldn't be like, yeah, that, that $7 million is cool, but these guys are offering me seven point two five. Like, you know, that's a bunch of money. So I get it. But I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting out of this is that money was a big deal. But at the same time, let's remember he signed for one year. Bruins fans. We might just sign him next year, right? You're talking about a player that the management knows. So if he goes to Toronto and plays well, maybe we are the team. Maybe he shows something else. Maybe, you know, we take that chance. I don't know. So you might just get him back. But it just wasn't possible this year. So the sooner we can kind of, you know, absorb that, uh, like the sooner we can all be a little more prepared for seeing Bertuzzi in that Leafs uniform next year. Make that your priority right now uh, for your Bruins mental health. Be ready for that. But I do think it's incredible how attached we get to players that are brought in as rentals, paid for as rentals, right? Like none of them were brought here on a trade and sign they were brought here to be rentals who would hit the hit the market at the end of the year that's what we paid for like i saw detroit fans being like oh thanks for the first rounder and it's like you're welcome like it was worth it at the time i don't regret the trade and i don't remember a lot of people out there before when sweeney was doing all of this and and really pushing for this cup most people weren't complaining Right? A lot of the people who are complaining now were not complaining before. And that's a little disingenuous, right? I think we need to we need to be able to be pissed but not have to put that blame 
in a position like that. Like, I loved Bertuzzi, right? I loved other rentals we had. When we got Nash, man, that was huge. For some reason, um, Shatan, I, I still remember. I can picture where I was when I saw the news that we, like, Miroslav Shatan was really exciting for me. Of course, that didn't work out, and he moved on, right? Bertuzzi wasn't giving the discount to Boston. And I think we really need to think about the Bruins season and how it ended. Like, watching our guys have the greatest season in NHL history and then go into the playoffs after giving up a lot to build the team that had the greatest season in NHL history. That team wasn't built easily. It wasn't built cheaply. The team that Sweeney built last year isn't the team that most teams build ever. It isn't a team we'll ever see again in Boston. And I think we've forgotten all that came before it and the reason the team was what it was, despite how it ended. It's that ending that is painting and coloring everything we see in the offseason. Every single thing that we've talked about, every single thing that's still going to happen could have happened, even if our Bruins had won the Stanley Cup. Everything could have happened exactly how it has happened. I think Bertuzzi, money was important to him. So if he had come to Boston, helped the Bruins win a cup, was amongst our leading scorers, maybe still our leading scorer, maybe people were talking about him for the Smythe, then who knows what happens or what he's asking for next year, coming off of that even more. So right there. Maybe we don't get him even if we win a cup. I know we all want to think that it automatically he'd be like, oh my God, Boston's the greatest place in the world. Please let me take a discount. Not every player's like that. And we have to be okay with that as well. So I just feel like the anger at Sweeney is misplaced because of this. Look at the whole board. Sweeney did his job last offseason. He put together a great roster, a roster... That showed greatness most of us never predicted. And he's doing his job now. And it's not cleaning up a mess. He didn't make a mess of things. If he won a cup, if we had won the cup this year, nobody would be describing what Sweeney has done as having made a mess. It would just be worth it every time. But the thing that has to be worth it, the thing that is worth it, is going for it. That's the thing that's worth it. You can't say it's worth it when you win, but then say it wasn't worth it when you lose. That's not fair either. Of course it was worth it. How much fun did we have last year? Yes, until I get it. But I refuse to not be allowed to remember how much fun that was last year. And how shit happens. Sweeney did his job. He's doing it now. Is he doing it exactly how I would? Of course not. But I feel like fans wouldn't be so mad if if every day on Twitter and social media and Instagram and I, we say social media like it's its own thing too, by the way. It's kind of strange, but if we had pictures on, on all of these things every day, a different Bruin with the cup, hanging out with his friends on a boat, you know, eating a hot dog out of it or a burrito or something. I don't I don't know what guys do these days putting a baby in it, I don't know, maybe doing a baptism. But if we had pictures of this stuff every day, of the parades, of the communities coming together, and the friends and the family and the cup and the Bruins and their dogs, we would all be feeling so much different. We'd be feeling so different than we are right now. But of course, that's not how we feel, because we did not get the happy ending that uh, that we wanted. So... Just because we didn't win the whole thing doesn't mean that we ignore the whole thing. We have to think and keep our eyes on everything that came before and the reasons of what's coming next. See the whole board. Um, it'll help you out. I know it helps me. I just got to circle back to Bergeron for a moment. I didn't want to uh, ask this at first, kind of when I was talking about Bergeron, because I thought... Um, I thought it's a loaded question. I want to I want to send you out with it. So, here's here's what I was thinking. Here's my question. If Bergeron comes back next year and then 
maybe it's a positive season. He sees the money we have and the haul of players we can bring back and bring in with the incredible cap space. Do you not think it's likely he's also back for 24-25? So if he comes back next year, do you think it improves the chances of him being back in 24-25? Right? That's just what I've started to think. If you're back next year, the year after that, that's the real, whew, we might have a roster that we could expect to make some noise because teams who are expected to make noise do make noise. We didn't this year, but that's not the norm, right? Get in with a team that can make noise. You have an even better chance with a team that, well, anything can happen. Maybe that's when we see a role change from Bergeron. Could he go down to the third line? He takes every bloody defensive face off anyway. A lot less playing time, a lot less pressure. All of that's easier on his body. I don't know. Just something I thought of. But anyway, that'll do for this episode of The Baked Bear. I've been Jay Pike. Find me on Twitter at my underscore Bruins. The pod itself at The Baked Bear Pod. You can email me, bakedbearpod at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind, don't be afraid to leave a rating, leave a review, uh, follow, subscribe, whatever it is you got to do. It's very appreciated. Uh, You can do that anywhere you're listening to your favorite pod, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Anywhere at all. Later, taters. Go bees. When the Bertuzzi news started leaking, started leaking on Twitter, that's not how you're supposed to say that.